We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to the CFD Nation All-America Podcast. My name is Bill Trochi, Senior Editor at SportingNews.com, alongside Bill Bender, our National College Football Writer at SportingNews.com. And uh, thank you to everyone subscribing here on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and, of course, our CFB Nation YouTube channel. Uh, we appreciate all our subscribers as the show continues to grow here in the offseason. We are 19 weeks from week zero, Bill, welcome in and happy belated Easter to you and your family. And I uh, want to check on, make sure your kids did not eat too much chocolate and you did not eat too much uh, chocolate this weekend. No, I hope you had a great holiday weekend too. We did. We uh, you know, didn't do too much. We were around family. We do have an Easter egg hunt down at the uh, my sister's house that I hide all the eggs and she stuff she our sense of humor is a little bit different like she would put change or money or candy and then a few of them she would put rocks in there and with notes that said sorry try better next time and uh i think my son got like five of the rocks he wasn't too happy uh-oh uh-oh but at least he got a weekend off of people not throwing the crossbars at him yeah so that's, that's yeah. that that's that would give him full blow into that this weekend just like you know, football, and as a, and you and I are going to talk about several. This is, to me, I know, NCAA tournaments in the back door or uh, rearview mirror, whatever you want to say. The next couple of weeks is really our, you said 19 weeks until week zero. This is the last couple of weeks we're going to see live football until week zero. So we definitely have to take advantage of that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our next partner is Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. I gave AGI a try because I wanted better gut health, sustained energy, immune support system, but I hate taking pills. And I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great, which is helping me kick my sugar addiction. In the morning before I get to work, I like getting something healthy in my body. And with AG1, I'm giving my body the nutrition it craves. It's very important for me to get my day started off with something healthy. But with my schedule, it's hard to prepare healthy meals. AG1 is a very quick way to pack my body with all that I need to jumpstart my day in a very healthy way. Covering my nutritional basis for the day literally couldn't be easier, which is why I trust Athletic Greens. I just mix one small scoop of AG1 with water and drink it first thing every morning. Done. I also like that it costs less than $3 a day. It's pretty good if you ask me. It's a really effective daily habit with the highest quality source ingredients. Win-win. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com irish. That's athleticgreens.com irish. Check it out. Yeah, yeah. Spring games are upon us, big spring games. Uh, we've had some big ones this week to keep an eye on, and uh, we will touch on four of them that have some interest nationally, Ohio State, Penn State, Georgia, and Texas, all for kind of different reasons here and there. Um, so let's start off with Ohio State. They are uh, playing at noon on Big Ten Network on Saturday afternoon. Uh, there's a QB battle going on, a legit QB battle, right? Uh, Kyle McCord and Devin Brown. Uh, we, we, we basically seen one game played between the two of them total. Uh, McCord put up good numbers in, in an easy win over Akron, but, you know, really feels like they're starting with a blank slate this spring. Uh, what, what has been the news leaking out of Columbus? Because we know they're they're not too open with the media up there. Well, I mean, we won't know. I mean, Ryan Day's typically both are going to compete. I think this one is unique. And common sense tells you that Kyle McCord probably is the leader based on past battles you know Dwayne Haskins and Joe Burrow that's one that still gets talked about I mean a huge reason why Dwayne Haskins won that quarterback battle was he played against Michigan in relief of JT Barrett the year before and it made it I mean like everybody in Columbus knew it's going to be impossible to sit that guy and he went out and had 50 touchdowns and eight interceptions um CJ Stroud backed up fields and there was a battle between Stroud and McCord supposedly a couple years ago, but it, it wasn't a battle. We knew Stroud was going to start as well. So like you said, though, Bill, this one does feel a little more wide open because of Kyle McCord's limited sample size, because Devin Brown offers a little bit different skill set in the running game. And there's definitely a high fascination with him. And, you know, it's really comes down to which one of these guys clicks best with a new offensive coordinator and Brian Hartline. And that ridiculous, I mean, whichever guy starts is going to be ridiculous anyway because he gets to throw to Harrison and Ibuka and Stover and all these receivers that Ohio State has. So it's definitely one that I'm curious to see. But despite what Ryan Day says, I, 
I still think it favors McCord now. We'll see if the spring game changes anything. Yeah, and, you know, I think you wrote about it this week at sportingnews.com, just the ridiculous high bar there is for an Ohio State quarterback as far as expectations of production because the last four or five have just been absolutely, you know, through the roof. Um, defensively, they lose Zach Harrison along the D-line, and then uh, safeties Ronnie Hickman and Tanner McAllister, both of whom are man Vinny Iyer, uh, have has going to the NFL draft. Uh, should we expect Ohio State's defense to be as good as last year's, which was very good until the end when it was not so good? It gave up 45 points to Michigan, 42 points to Georgia. What do you see on that side of the ball? Yeah, they better be better in the big games. But, I mean, in general, yeah, they should be better. Um, they get, they had some guys stay that they steal Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg in the middle. Both guys fit very well in Jim Knowles' defense last year, and they're veteran leaders. I know they're roommates, too, and they're, they're kind of that COVID-type players that get that extra year because of COVID, and they're taking advantage of it. Probably could have uh, – Eichenberg, in particular, probably could have gone to the NFL. I really think it comes down to a couple things. One, this used to be a team that had the best secondary in the country and in a lot of ways. You know, produced guys like Denzel Ward and, you know, you name it, cornerback for – 10 to 15 years uh, that hasn't happened in a while. They don't have elite corners. They don't have elite safeties. They do need to develop a better pass rush too. You know, for all the talk about JT Tui Moloal, I got I it. it. Se- <laughs> second attempt. I almost had on the first one. Um, Tim may taught me how to say that. Um, and Jack <laughs> Sawyer, who's much easier because he's a Pickerington kid. Um, they, they, they combined for eight sacks last year. They need to double that basically. Mm-hmm. And I think it could happen where Sawyer and JT, see, that's a little easier, um, become those first-round type rushers because they haven't had that Chase Young or that Nick Boza or that Joey Boza. So, and like you said, it uh, the the big games. It doesn't. I don't really care what they do against Rutgers and Maryland. They're going to win those games anyway. What do they do? If you look at their last four losses, Oregon, Michigan twice, and Georgia, all of those games they've been shredded. So, I mean, those are the games where they need to show up. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, heard some good things about the D-line through the spring. I've read them here and there. Um, So, I do expect uh, that the defensive line is going to be strong, but you made a good point about the secondary. They haven't been as elite as they need to be. They've given up big plays, and we saw it in in their – you know, the last two games of the season uh, for, for, for Ohio State. And we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens on Saturday. I know you're going to be watching a little bit. And uh, let's see if uh, the secondary can stand up to this QB battle. Uh, it's definitely going to be a lot coming out of that game. So it'll be fun to see what Ryan Day has to say after the game and, uh, and where we go from there. Next, let's talk a little Penn State. Let's stay in the Big Ten. Uh, they're on right at 2 p.m. Uh, on the Big Ten Network. So it goes Ohio State at 12 and then Penn State at 2. If you want to catch uh, another uh, quarterback coming on the scene, uh, Sean Clifford is no longer the quarterback at Penn State, Bill. What are we going to do here? <laughs> I'm trying to think of the last time I don't remember Sean. Well, it was Trace, then Sean. And I'm trying to think who – there would have been a good Trochi trivia question. Who was the quarterback before Trace McSorley? Because Ooh. I don't – I would have to like really put my thinking cap on for that. It's been a minute since it hasn't been McSorley or Clifford. Todd Blackwood, maybe. Might have been. <laughs> Jerry <laughs> Collins. That would have been my guess. But uh, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, 
you, you mentioned Drew Aller. Um, they've got a quarterback battle, though, the more I read about uh, Bo Prabula. And, and there's some dynamics to that, Bill, and I'll, I'll share a little bit. I mean, obviously, Drew, five-star quarterback. If you look at him here, when you see him on the field, and you mentioned, you know, played against Michigan last year, played against – I remember when he came against Purdue – and we were like, is there a quarterback controversy? Because when he walks on the field, he looks like an NFL quarterback. He's 6'5". He can throw it down the field. He's got all his tools. But, you know, this Bo Pribula, the more I read about him, Mike Yershich loves him. Pennsylvania people are going to love him because he's PA native. He wears McSorley's number. He looks a little bigger than McSorley. And um, sounds like he's got a different skill set. Drew, uh, Drew Aller's not a runner. He's not going to run around and get you 800 yards. Pribula is a little, you know, got some wiggle, r- reminds you of McSorley a little bit. And I think he's the guy I'm more interested to watch Saturday because I know what I'm getting out of Aller. Um, Do to we? Some, ex- some extent, yeah. I mean, you're getting big throws. You're getting – he's he's going to be pretty good, I think. Uh, but maybe I need to confirm that. But I thought when I saw him in game action, it wasn't – like, I, I'm not going to judge him based on Michigan. They were getting hammered, and it's not like, hey, Drew, go win the game. You're down by 17. Your your defense isn't stopping the run at all. Uh, but go win the game for us. I, I don't buy that a little bit. No, yeah, I agree. You know, but it was interesting. I looked at his numbers. I didn't realize that, you know, Franklin got him into 10 games last mm-hmm. year. Um, you know, all fairly inconsequential action. But uh, he did get him out there. So you get the feeling he's trying to groom him. For, he was trying to groom him for this year uh, to take over. And, you know, he's got, like you said, that, you know, NFL look to him, NFL arm talent. And uh, he he did turn to him a little bit in desperation against Michigan. They were down 34-17 early in the fourth quarter, uh, hoping to maybe get him a spark. Uh, he, you know, led two drives, ended up five for 10 for 37 yards. So not too much there, but that was – that was probably his most pressure packed situation last year. Um, you know, I think we both expect him to win the job and um, it'll be interesting to see what happens on Saturday. Um, you know, speaking of Penn state, uh, you know, it's doing some research on the, the James Franklin era and you know, it's been nine years, nine seasons. Uh, one was COVID um, of course. Um, but in uh, the, the Penn State has finished in the postseason AP poll four times. They finished between seven and nine. Very narrow window, right? But that's pretty good. Four four very strong top ten seasons, and then four seasons unranked. And then he had a, like one season they were ranked number seventeen or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of funny to think. You know, I was talking with one of my friends about this. Is is seven to nine in the AP poll? You know, not quite top five. You know, but inside the top ten, is that James Franklin's ceiling at Penn State right now? Because it, it seems like it is. Well, I mean, here's the thing: if if we're in a twelve team playoff era, I think the narrative on Franklin is completely different because they would have four playoff appearances. Right. If you're counting New Year's Day six bulls, I saw this on uh, Twitter the other night where, you know, you see how fans go back and forth. And I think 24-7 Sports put out their coach rankings, which we'll have later this summer. And they had Harbaugh three and Penn State fans were taking shots and they were using New Year's Day six bulls as part of their argument. Well, no, 
first of all, like Harbaugh has two Big Ten championships, a better record against Franklin, and has been to the playoff twice. Penn State hasn't been to the playoff. If we're in a 12-team playoff situation, though, Penn State would be there. And Franklin's done a hell of a job there. He has. Um, yet, a couple of games stand out to me with him, and they're not wins. They're the, the back-to-back losses against Ohio State in 17 and 18 when they had chances to at Saquon Barkley. They had every reason to win those games, and they didn't. Um, and, you know, the, the back and forth with Michigan, when they lose to Michigan, they don't lose. They get hammered. And those have happened. So I think every conversation, and you probably get sick of me talking about it, is like for Penn State, it's like, okay, we can hype them up as a top 10 team, but you got to go beat Ohio State. And you haven't done that since 2016. And you've got to go beat Michigan when Michigan's up, which Michigan's going to be up next year. And and another thing with Aller, just to add this in, it's funny how, how we bashed Harbaugh all last fall about how he handled that quarterback thing, that might become a template because that's what he did. That's what Penn State did the, to get Drew in and get him action and get him ready and keep him happy. And it, it was what – we're going to talk about Georgia in a second. It's kind of what they did with Carson Beck. So, you know, Harbaugh, as usual, doing it his way. And and now you're going to – I think you're going to see other schools do it that way. Clemson did it with Klubnik. They've got to keep the guy they want to start the next year. So I'm just saying uh, Penn State opens with West Virginia, which is not a walk in the park. Uh, Harbaugh last year had an opportunity to basically have a preseason, right. play both guys and that kind of thing. I don't think James Franklin has the same luxury there. But, um, yeah, it is it is interesting. Right, when you want to keep a guy around, when you're going to groom him a little bit. And I think the – you know, getting into 10 games last year is going to do, is going to pay off this year for Aller a little bit instead of just, you know, only playing in emergency situations, uh, two or three games or something like that. So I do think it will help him. I do think it was wise. Um, but I expect, I don't expect the Harbaugh template to be used to evaluate his QBs in the first couple of games of the season because right. you don't want to stumble against West Virginia. Right. And I do have Delaware and UMass later. That's not exactly a murderer's row uh, non-con schedule. But, you know, the big – it, it doesn't matter to me. The Big Ten schedule, it'll be tough enough for them. And they, they, they should have a pretty good team. It's a big year for Penn State, though, because when those preseason projections come out, you are – I've already seen a couple that they're going to have Penn State a, ahead of Ohio State and Michigan. I can tell you Sporting News won't because I'm going to need to – they're going to need to prove it. And it comes down to – they need to, I, I think if they could split those games, they could win the Big Ten East, but they've got to get that split this time. Right, right. Um, so let's move on to the third game of the day on Saturday. Uh, Georgia, ESPN 2 at 4 o'clock. Another national championship contender. Another quarterback battle. Another new QB1. Carson Beck, Brock Vandergriff, and Gunnar Stockton are trying to be Stetson Bennett's replacement. Uh, Smart has given no hints on who his leader is at this point. Uh, one thing he did say this week that one key he looks for in quarterbacks is how they perform on third down. Uh, Bennett always seemed to you know, make the key plays on third down. That was very important to Georgia's success, and the new guy will need to as well. Uh, so if you're watching this one, the third down performance of the three QBs could be an indicator uh, what do you think we'll see uh, down in Athens on Saturday? I mean, you'll see all three. I think it's Carson Beck's job to lose. 
I mean, by design, he played a lot last year. I don't think it was an accident that he played extensively in that blowout in the CFP championship game because, you know, you get a feel for that. Now, with that experience, it should help. But, you know, like you said, we've seen the the spring game drama. I remember when Jacob Eason came on, you know, and then Fromm outplayed him. Like, I remember the the Justin Fields thing still kind of follows Kirby Smart a little bit, even though he's made the right decision since. Um, uh, it, by that, I mean Bennett, you know, last two years, didn't turn the ball over. So watch interceptions. I think that was the biggest key with Stetson Bennett is his pass attempts went up by about, I don't have it in front of me, like 150 to 160 last year, same amount of interceptions. And you're still throwing to Brock Bowers and a talented group of receivers, and you've got a good offensive line. So, you know, to me, Carson Beck, you know, we'll start with him and we'll see if one of those other guys, it it would take, it's one of those where Carson Beck would have to do some things to lose the job, in my opinion. Yeah. So it's interesting that you mentioned just to, you know, catch people up is, you know, Georgia's the history of the spring game there in 2017, Jake Fromm surprised a lot of people played great outplayed Jacob Eason and eventually won the job the next season. But then in the spring game of 2018, Justin Fields really impressed everybody and outplayed from, but as we all know, did not win the job ended up transferring to Ohio state. So um, one year, the spring game seemed to mean a lot, and then the next year it didn't. So we don't know what's going to happen this year. Um, no, yeah, yeah, and 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 still a very talented roster. I, I think Kirby's in a spot where, just like get to know some guys, it was going to be the the spring game for them because they had another. They're they're to me, it's a better PSA for Georgia. The NFL drafts almost a better PSA than their spring game, right? Because they're going to have another double digit class with freak show athletes that go to the draft. And I I think they're in that position now. Yep. Yep. So the fourth game we want to talk about for Saturday spring games takes place in Austin, Texas. Uh, Texas plays at two o'clock Eastern on the Longhorn network. Bill, you are a Longhorn network subscriber, correct? I have it as part of my, I know better not say it out loud. They'll take it off my cable package. Uh, (laughs) But I we have it. I mean, I, I sit and watch. The Vince Young games are on a lot. That's good. So this this was supposed to be the QB battle of all QB battles a little bit, and it was hyped up Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning. But like Chris Hummer told us on this podcast about a month ago, that was that isn't the battle this spring in Austin. Uh, the, the the limited reporting coming out of spring ball is Ewers is no doubt number one, uh, and it's Arch Manning and Malik Murphy actually splitting reps at number two. So uh, that's kind of the battle that uh, that they're trying to figure out is who will be the number two quarterback. But the college football world, eager to see another Manning out there. I'm sure Arch is going to throw balls uh, during that spring game. They'll be on Instagram Live like, before the receiver touches the ball, I think. Um, but uh, I think the expectation is uh, we're a year away, barring injury, of seeing another Manning under center on a regular basis. Your, your yeah. thoughts on Texas? Yeah, yeah they're not – that they can't hide him Saturday. They have to like, right. you, can't, you can't, you know, put up a shield while he's playing because <laughs> what's going to happen Saturday is, is uh, college football world is going to overreact to his first pass and his second pass and his third pass. And <laughs> um, 
there are definitely going to be a lot of over analysis uh, uh, based on this spring game. I would anticipate that this is the most reacted to spring game this weekend because of Arch Manning. Could be wrong. I mean, I could be off on this, but you know, I think Quinn Ewers as well. To me, the spring game isn't going to be an indicator. It's going to be next year how he plays against ranked teams. And I've kind of put out this stat out there a little bit. I mean, when they played the five ranked opponents they played last year, his completion percentage was 52.8. That's nowhere near good enough. Five touchdowns, four interceptions. Texas was one and four. That has to change for the line. Like all these conversations about are the Longhorns back? When are the Longhorns going to be back? They're right there. Close games, ranked games. And if Quinn Ewers isn't good in those games, the call to get Arch Manning in the game will be pretty loud because he's a five-star guy. So um, definitely going to have this one on and, and definitely going to check that out and see how he does. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be a fun one to track. Uh, the OrangeBloods.com uh, covers Texas for the Rivals Network. They do a great job. They, you know, seem to have uh, some inside people talking behind the scenes that, you know, Ewers really has improved uh, as, you know, as the leader in the QB room, as the leader on the field. And they're looking forward to seeing him kind of take control of the job. Um, he obviously had the job last year, but um, positive reports on Ewers and, uh, you know, no necessarily controversy. Um, but you're right. You know, if he does struggle, they've got Alabama again. Uh, that's going to be a big one. Uh, and if Arch Manning has a nice game on Saturday, probably be better for Sark if, if Manning has an off day on Saturday. <laughs> there right. won't be as much pressure on him the, the second Ewers throws two incompletions in a row. Well, here's another thing, Bill, and I just thought just kind of popped in my head is with Quinn Ewers, like the best case scenario is that he wins the job, takes command of the job, has a monster year, and is maybe – I'm trying to think if it's a better comparison to next year's NFL draft. Is he next year's Will Levis or Anthony Richardson, basically? The guy with the huge arm, the huge... Because when he goes to Indianapolis in the NFL Combine, he will wow you with the long ball. and But he has to have the numbers behind it and the consistency behind it. And if those reports are true, Texas could win the Big 12 pretty easily, in my opinion, because they've got the talent. I mean, a couple couple non-QB items for this spring game I'm looking at is A.D. Mitchell, Georgia receiver. Uh, how does he fit in with uh, Xavier Worthy? They're pretty loaded at that position. Mm-hmm. Jalen Catalan, talented sa- safety from Arkansas, getting some of these SEC transfers in. And Anthony Hill is a freshman linebacker from Denton. That That's where it needs to change, on that side of the ball. When is the last time they had NFL dudes on that side of the ball? And maybe Anthony Hill is uh, on the way to making that change. They got to get their offensive line straightened out too. That that right. has not been elite in a while. You can look at the NFL draft history of Texas offensive linemen. It's fairly bleak uh, over the last ten years, which has coincided with, you know, the, their you know lack of top ten finishes nationally and everything like that. So, um, yeah, so that'll be a fun one. So your your Saturday afternoon for people dying for a little college football this weekend and next weekend are pretty full. Uh, that's our, our preview uh, for these four games this weekend. Next week, there's Notre Dame, Alabama, and Colorado to get ready for. Uh, so we will talk about those next week. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. First, I got a little trochi trivia for you. Bill, we talked about Penn State. I think you're going to know this one. But uh, we talked about Penn State earlier. Pretty straightforward question. In James Franklin's nine years at Penn State, that's 18 games against Michigan and Ohio State. What's his record? Mm-hmm. Think about that. What's his record against Penn State? Well, All right, can, I have, a, can I have Ohio one State. hint? Can I have one hint? No hints. I, it's, I, 18, it's 18 games. You pick his record. I know you can do it. You know, you know I, everything about the I'm making the sure they game. played them both. And my, can you can you just answer true or false if I give you a – They've played each twice a year. Yeah. They played them both in the COVID year. Yes. Okay, then I'm good. It's 18 games. Nine years, 18 games. Okay. So uh, one thing I wanted to touch on uh, that Hugh Freeze mentioned uh, earlier this spring, and it, it's uh, Andy Stables wrote a long story about it on The Athletic. I've heard it discussed on other podcasts, and I like the idea. I like the concept. Should spring games be replaced with scrimmages against FCS teams? Actual scrimmages, actual referees, actual scoreboards, maybe just an actual game. Um Controlled game, uh, but still a game nonetheless, similar to an NFL preseason, similar to a high school scrimmage, uh, you know, similar to these college basketball scrimmages that happen preseason that are that are closed to the public. No, no fans go to those games, but uh, um, teams do, you know, scrimmage and, and, and go full bore with uh, scoreboards and clocks and referees, and everything like that. The spring games, a lot of times they're just glorified practices and you know, they don't, fans don't really get much out of it. Players don't necessarily get much out of it. Coaches don't want to show anything or whatever. Um, it's, it, it's, it's a missed marketing opportunity, in my opinion. Um, but what, what are the pros and cons to, to you to, you know, scheduling? I, I think it, the example, the specific example Hugh Freeze broke, uh, brought up was like, what if we played UAB and, uh, or uh, Troy or whatever? And then, and uh, Alabama played, you know, Alabama State or whoever. Just you know, a, a, a different school could be a, an FCS team, um, and then just uh, see some live action for these guys. Pros is I've sat at a lot of spring games, and I don't particularly and and I, I can't believe I'm going to say this on a college podcast. I don't particularly enjoy them for the most part because once they start with the funky formats. Cause I'm a person I was like, how did it, how, okay, what are we doing? What, why is that two points? Why is that three points? Exactly. What, what, what just happened? Um, <laughs> because I like to keep stats during the game and I'm like, well, the defender got a three point interception. And then I'm just like, okay, I'm good. Right. Um, All of a sudden they'll throw an incompletion on first and 10. They'll make it second and five anyway. <laughs> right. And then they'll do, you know, I was in Ohio state spring game one year and they were, they're like, well, the first quarter is going to be thud tackling, which is, you know, they just pop them and it's over. And I'm like, well, that's not necessary. And that's, you know, they didn't want, they had a lot of injuries that year. And I'm like, that's fine. Yeah. But I also went to a UCLA spring game once, which abruptly ended at halftime. <laughs> and I'm like, just and unannounced. I, <laughs> and I was like sending my editors, you weren't with us at the time. The sport is, I was like, I have no idea what to write. So um, <laughs> I don't know what just happened. And no, so the pros are you have a, maybe a more standard format that's more exciting. Now I get the value of spring game for the coaches, for the evaluation, 
for the beat writers that are specifically covering a school. I mean, like Ohio State's beat writers, for example, they will go way in depth on the the battle at the guard position. Um, you know, and that's that's great. Um, pros would be you you get to see another uniform. Every other sport does it. College basketball has secret scrimmages. They they talk about all the time. Um, cons would be the first big injury, right? Like, you know, so-and-so tears his ACL, but that's football to me. I mean, that, that could happen. Cons are, I don't know how much value there is in seeing an FCS school in particular play like a, an Alabama that, that, you know, they might have some injuries, but at the same time, I just think it would be more exciting to watch like a scrimmage for a half and they could, you know what? You can put a red Jersey on the quarterback. Every high school in the country does this where they do jamboree scrimmages. They play each other. Do you get enough out of it in the spring bill? I don't know. I mean, what do you think? I mean, I just think it's a, it's something to feed the machine. Now it's, it's, it would be television programming. Uh, I think, you know, March Madness, the first weekend of March Madness, obviously that Saturday is wall-to-wall college basketball. The second weekend and then the final four weekend, those those basketball games do not tip off till 6 o'clock at night. So there's a window to that second weekend and then into the April and then three weekends in April. If you wanted to show three two-hour spring games on four consecutive Saturday, I mean, that's like 12 college football games. People will be all over it. I mean, why do you think the XFL and the USFL, they try to get them in these little windows right now? I think guarantee in Ohio State uh, scrimmage against, uh, you know, a small school in Ohio or somewhere fairly local or whatever. Then, and, and I don't think you have to put a red shirt on the quarterback. I mean, it's four, what is it? It's 19 weeks before <laughs> week zero. I mean, you got plenty of time to, to heal up for any injuries. Or anything like that. I mean, if the da- if the game is too dangerous to have a real game five months before the regular season, there's a problem with the game itself. Yeah, um, I, I agree with I, all that. I think you can play it. I think televisions would be all over. Uh, television networks would be all over it. I think fans would buy tickets, and then most of the time they're free across the country right now. Um, and you know, you've got 15 spring practices to do whatever scrimmages and and specific things that you want to work on. Um, making that 15th one an actual game against somebody. I think it gives the players some more motivation to play. It gives you more, just more of an opportunity to evaluate your team and, right. and, and your quarterbacks going against a different secondary and they've got to make reads and the other team's blitzing and this and that. And, you know, it's obviously the, the, the power five teams are going to have a huge talent advantage and, you know, you're not going to game plan and all this stuff. Um but I do think it would be more valuable than continuing to going against the same guys that you've been going against for the last 14 spring practices. And I've also heard one of the arguments against supposedly would be, Oh, what happens if you don't play well? And the fans are up in arms and they're worried that you, you right. lost the game or you, and I'm like, you know, I, I don't correct no. me if I'm wrong. Do you remember um, a, uh, Kansas City Chiefs fan worrying about them losing a preseason game last year before they went on to win the Super Bowl. I, I, I don't remember fans being up in arms at losing a preseason game. They, they probably were a few, sadly. But, I mean, like, <laughs> it, you know, but, yeah. And then the other part of it, like, this was something that was brought up to me a few years ago, and I didn't really think about it. One pro of a spring game is a lot of the way that the prices have gone 
for college football games. It is a chance, you know, to go to if you're going to the high stakes spring game or the Michigan spring game. You can take your family. It's a more relaxed. It's not, you know, they're not heckling or they're, you know what I mean? Like it's a definitely a more family friendly environment in a spring game. They're fun, you know, and well, it's yeah, a chance can... for people to go to the game and see their players and all that kind of thing. And you get that taste of football. Like, I mean, you count down the weeks every week, Bill. I mean, it's, it's, it makes you <laughs> excited for the, for what's to come. And, you know, in some cases, I mean, the one sp- of all those spring games, I was thinking about this while, while you asked the question. Um, I think the one that I m- remember most vividly was the one where Joe Burrow and Haskins were going at it. And I think Joe Burrow afterward was like, well, I didn't come here to sit. And his career has changed dramatically <laughs> since that moment. And, um, because they were both great in that spring game. So those are the fun ones. And we mentioned all these quarterback battles. When you have a heated quarterback battle that isn't 100% certain, those are the spring games worth being at. Right. And you can't, you know, I totally understand, especially in the transfer portal era and, you know, seniors sitting out and, and any good player. You can't field two complete teams in, in an inter-squad spring game. You know what I mean? And I understand right. that, and that's fine. But – so, I mean, Arch Manning is not going to get the same defense as Quinn Ewers or whatever. You know what I mean? There's just not enough players out there that you want to worry about as far as, you know, or first of all, how you know, guys that haven't entered the transfer portal or whatever. And then you've got the true freshmen that haven't arrived that aren't going to arrive till the summertime and stuff. Your numbers are down and that's right. fine. Uh, whereas if they were playing, you know, a team that's, uh, you know, a Texas state or something like that, and they're, they're geared up, they're going to use their starters the whole game practically or whatever. Um, then you're going to get a better look at arch and you're going to get a better look at Quinn and Malik Murphy. You know? So anyway, um, I hope it happens. It's against the NCAA rules or whatever. I don't know what the, the red tape would be sure. to, to get it going. Um, it would be interesting if it were no longer against the rules, who would jump in first, who would market the heck out of it? I'm thinking Colorado would um, first off the top of my head. Um, but anyway, I just, I hope it happens at some point. I, I, I really, I really think the pros outweigh the, na- oh, the outweigh the cons. Yeah. And you know, you're, uh, you're pretty passionate about that. I think you need to write on this. So, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, very passionate, very, very good topic because like you said, there's, I will watch these this weekend and I'll probably overanalyze some things, but at the end of the day, it doesn't, you know, I don't want to say it doesn't matter. All, all competition matters, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll, if Drew Aller incompletes a couple third downs, will that matter in September? Probably not. Right. Right. But it did help Jake Fromm win that job eventually, you know, mm-hmm. when he, when he outplayed Jake. Right. And so that was interesting to note. All right. Before we get out of here, trivia answer. Let's revisit the question. What is James Franklin's record against Michigan and Ohio State? 18 games. What's your guess? Four and 14. Yes. And that, was, oh. that, was, that was a dunk because I want to <laughs> go back and look at the margin of defeat. There are some bad ones. Like, there's a couple close ones, but uh, there's a couple blowouts in there. And um, three and six against Michigan, one and eight against Ohio State. You got it. Uh, he beat Michigan in 17, 19, and 20, and Ohio State in 16. So he has not beaten both in the same season last year, of course. Won them all 
except Michigan and Ohio State. They finished 11 and 2. So, and they are always forked in. So, that 2016 season, they won the Big Ten. They got smoked by Michigan that year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's why I'm excited because it does rekindle late 90s, early mid 90s years of Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State. And they're they're great games. Last year's games were great games, except the Michigan Penn State game. That was blowout. But Penn State Ohio State was fun. Michigan Ohio State was fun. I like it when all three are good, and that's a little bit biased and a little bit selfish. But what I'm not going to hide. You know, I think it's awesome. And you throw in Wisconsin in there too. It could be a lot of fun. Yeah. So um, yeah. So next week we will uh, preview. Like I said, the Notre Dame spring game the Alabama spring game, and, of course, the Colorado spring game, which is going to be on ESPN. It's ESPN's only spring game. The Dion effect is in full force for ESPN. So thank you once again, everybody, to listening to the CFB Nation All-America podcast. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we will be back next week.